You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, literally wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Thursday, day after a hard-fought loss for your New Orleans Pelicans, falling 127-123 to the Dallas Mavericks. We'll recap that game here. It was fun. It was disappointing, too, but it was fun. Um, and let's break this game down a little bit. Then let's talk... About Alvin Gentry, he was trending on Twitter last night for probably all of the wrong reasons. I'll give you a few more thoughts on that, even though I shared some yesterday. And then finally, we haven't even touched on Zion Williamson winning Rookie of the Month and the streak that he is on right now and how great of a thing that is. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. All right, so it was a 127-123 loss for your New Orleans Pelicans in overtime to the Dallas Mavericks. If you're a Pelicans fan, this game put you through the damn ringer in terms of emotions. You were very frustrated with rough stretches of defense, rough stretches of offense, but then you were elated with clutch play from Brandon Ingram, and then you were really disappointed when he fouled out in overtime and missed missing some big shots and not taking some good shots as well. You saw Zion get to 21 points, but only, only shoot 50% from the field, 9 of 18 on the night when he was just given a lot of trouble from the length of the Dallas Mavericks when they sent two guys at him and Chris Stapps, Porzingis and Maxi Kleber. Um, you saw Drew Holiday looked great for moments and then get put on skates by Luka Doncic. You saw some very, very good things from Lonzo Ball. 25 points, 11 rebounds on the night on 7 of 11 shooting from deep. Oh my God, yes. But then... He wasn't able to get it done defensively. Nicolo Melli hit a huge three to tie the game and send it to overtime. Uh, and then you saw him go one for seven from the field overall. You saw Frank Jackson give you some solid minutes in there, but have a stretch where it really hurt too. Just kind of a lot of good mixed with a lot of bad, showing how inconsistent this team is right now. And probably worse than anything, really saw their playoff chances take a big, big hit in this one. After making up a lot of ground early on, right after the All-Star break, they've lost that and more. The Pelicans now sit 12th in the Western Conference. They are a full five games back from the Memphis Grizzlies after getting this as close as two and a half to them. Five with 20 games to go is a lot to make up. Then you also have the Kings that are ahead of them now in the standings. They are a game and a half back of them. They're a game back of both the Portland Trailblazers and the San Antonio Spurs. So they've fallen in the standings over this little stretch here um, and needed to get that win against the Timberwolves. We talked about that yesterday. This one fought hard enough to get that, but ultimately weren't able to get it done. So I think... Again, good and bad and probably just shows you this is a fringe playoff team at best right now. And 
that's okay. They're young. They're improving. They're working on some things. We can also maybe see, you know, you've got to make some decisions on people in the offseason. But this game was dominated for stretches by the Dallas Mavericks. So the fact that New Orleans kept this close was pretty good. Luka Doncic is a damn wizard. 30 points on the night for him, 17 rebounds, 10 assists, and he also went 4 of 11 from the three-point line. He was 9 of 20 overall. Kristaps Porzingis, excellent in this one as well, 34 points, 12 boards for him. He was 3 of 9 from deep. So let's start with Porzingis. He gave Zion some trouble. Zion can score against him. We saw that. But when they used that length against him and then sent Maxi Kleber, their starting center over there, to double on Zion with two guys that are about seven feet tall plus, it really does give Zion a lot of trouble. He can maybe kind of get around one of them, but getting around two is difficult for him right now. He's got a left hand. He's got one dribble moves, and that's about it. And until he develops a right hand or other moves, he's going to struggle with these double teams. And his passing just, you know, at times is there, but at times it isn't. He had three assists in this one. But that's something in that recognition just takes a little bit. Drew Holiday, pretty good in this one. 19 points on the night for him. Six assists, six rebounds, but got worked by Luka Doncic in overtime to the point where he was on skates and fell down basically on a hesitation move that allowed Luka to go and not score. You saw Zion rotate over and looked like Zion was going to have a massive block on him in overtime. And then Luka somehow got the ball to uh, Kleber out on the perimeter who missed a three-point shot. The Dallas Mavericks did get an offensive rebound on that and managed to get a bucket and score which basically just iced the game but you know you also saw drew holiday get a block late in the fourth quarter that helped get this game to overtime so again good and bad from these guys in this one lonzo ball though mostly good he's on a big stretch and you can arguably say though i don't know if i would necessarily agree with this that he's been the pelicans best player over the past month 25 points for him 11 uh rebounds six assists seven of 11 from three that's the big thing when that shot's falling like that from him yeah, he's going to really, really help you win. So Derek Favors is an interesting one because I see a lot of people singling him out on Twitter for not having a good game. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. He had 10 points, 14 boards in this one, and he was a team-high plus 10 in terms of plus-minus. The defense and the pick-and-roll defense has been really bad for the Pelicans for most of the year, but it's been very evident these past two games against the Timberwolves in this one where basically Luca Porzingis pick-and-roll, Tim Hardaway pick-and-roll there um, with Porzingis too just hurt New Orleans and allowed for some really easy buckets, but it usually comes from the guard, and it usually is because the guard and favors or whoever's playing center aren't communicating and not able to kind of figure out what they're supposed to do, and that's how you're seeing blown assignments. All of a sudden, one guy thinks they're switching, one guy doesn't, and... That's where it's like, wait, what's what, what's happening here? Someone's wide open, and then you see a guy just streak to the basket for a dunk. It's been an issue. That is coaching. That's basketball IQ of the players. It's everyone, and I'm not going to take sides in this um, because that's I, everyone's to blame, frankly. We don't need to kind of try and absolve anybody of this. So it, it, it hurts, and it's really rearing its head as a bad time. They'd been really in the top 10 since Zion had returned defensively. They don't look and they don't feel like a top 10 team right now. And I think that's 
just a, a rough stretch for them. They need to figure this out. You need to figure this out just going forward. You're not going to win very many games where you have teams consistently scoring close to 130 against you, 127 here. What was it, 134 the other night? You're not going to win very many games. And that is a big, big problem. The other thing is teams definitely see Zion as a weakness on the defensive side of the ball. In that pick and roll, they were targeting him every time in the fourth quarter in overtime. And Zion didn't start overtime, I, probably to give him some rest. And he's playing on the second night of a back-to-back, the first time of his career. But the Mavericks were going right at him every single time. And it hurt. So we'll stop there, and I want to touch on Brandon Ingram in the next segment. We'll also talk about coaching and that sort of stuff too um, because those, are, I think, are really important topics after today. Ingram had moments where he's so good. And then it's like, wait, what's going on here? So we'll talk about that coming up here in just a moment. But before we do that, don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. The only podcast Monday through Friday for you all, breaking down everything that's going on with the team, the good, and over these past two games, the bad. Uh, but it's going to be fun. The Pelicans still are in contention, though the hopes are fading a little bit. But subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Please leave a five-star review. It makes a difference. I promise we can get into all the technicalities of that you guys don't need that just trust me when i say take 30 seconds and please leave a review a comment with a with five star rating as well and if you can tell a friend get them clued into the podcast and on the pelicans bandwagon because this game was fun at the end of the day and that means it's going to be fun for six seven more years with luca and zion battling it out but more importantly than that we, we we're looking a day at a time here and that just means subscribe to locked on pelicans so Brandon Ingram in this one is a bit of a mixed bag, like everything was in this game, I guess. His numbers look all right. 27 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists. He was 11 of 22, 3 of 8 from deep. Like Those are pretty good numbers. He had a plus minus of 8. I don't know if you could necessarily call him all that bad. He was good. He was fine. He was above average, probably slightly above average for him at least. But down the stretch... He showed you that he's not there yet as a closer. And he's 22. He's a first-time All-Star. Like, he doesn't have to be necessarily just yet. You'd like for him to be that guy. We all want him to be that guy. And he has potential to become that guy. I don't know if he necessarily will be. I can't see the future. I wish I did. But if you look at him in the fourth quarter and overtime... Well, like, yeah, you know, it's a little bit rough, particularly in overtime. He took two shots, two. Neither of them came in the paint. One was a three. One was a mid-range jumper just outside the paint. In the fourth quarter, he made three shots. He really got like one in the paint, kind of, on the edge of it. And that's it. This is a guy who needs to be living at the rim a little bit more in crunch time in the fourth quarter to get those easy buckets, to get those and ones, and try and close out the game in that way. And he can't be as passive as he has been at times. And I think that is a bit of the issue that you're kind of seeing from him. And it hurts, certainly, because that's the guy you need. Now, he's been a little bit out of sorts Um, so far this year once Zion has returned. His role changes a little bit when it's Zion and Favors out there on the court. The spacing's not great for him, 
And that's why you're seeing a lot of minutes with him of him paired with Nicolo Melli and Zion because the game does open up a little bit more for him. But they do need to kind of figure out how to best use them. And, you know, if you're not going to make the playoffs using these final 20 games for that, I think is actually a really, really important thing. You're going to max the dude. There's no question about that. But you've got to really know how to, you know, then maximize him once he's out there on the court for you in the future. And, you know, you you, you need him there. Now, he fouled out, which... We're not going to kind of, you know, dog him on in an overtime game. And he had an excellent defensive possession on Kristaps Porzingis when Porzingis tried to score and have a game winner. And that's what got it to overtime in the first place. But, man, um, it was rough seeing him out there at times. And the shot selection, they got to work on this. I think he and Zion can coexist. We've seen that they're able to coexist. But... We, we need to see a couple more consistent games of them putting it all together. He was had moments of being really great, and you're like, oh, he's that dude. And they're like, no, no, he's not that dude. And, again, he's 22. You know, what are you supposed to expect? But and see, you'd like to see these guys rising to the occasion instead of getting tantalizingly close and getting, you know, halfway to three-quarters of the way up the mountain. And we're just not seeing as much growth as we'd like, but there's still growth there. So if you want a silver lining, I think that's it. But you can also say, like, you have to do this. This is what you're paid money to do. If you want a max deal, you've got to be able to hit these shots and take over games. And he hasn't shown the ability to do that just yet. So let's just jump into Gentry coming up here in the next segment. We'll save Rookie of the Month, which is a really freaking cool award that Zion won for Friday's show. But before I get to that, don't forget again, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcasts from. The only Pelicans podcast coming here to you all Monday through Friday, breaking down everything you want to know about this team, recapping rough losses, recapping big wins, helping you relive both the good and the bad basically immediately after. It's still a really fun Pelican season. That was a fun game against Dallas. Like you can take some enjoyment from that, I hope. Uh, so here we are covering it all at Locked On Pelicans, wherever you get your podcast from. So Alvin Gentry. So I talked about him in yesterday's show, and I thought I was pretty hard on him. And so the re- and some people said, like, no, you weren't. It, here's the thing. I don't care whether the team fires the coach or not. You become as you as you cover a team for a number of years a little bit um, immune to all of this and numb to all of this, and you learn that the people in this these positions, even like a guy like Dell Demps, smarter at basketball or about basketball than I am. And at moments, I think I'm pretty smart about it. Not always. Uh, so I look at this, and I just don't think a knee jerk reaction of firing him makes. A whole lot of sense. I, you know, I don't like calling for people's jobs anyway, but you've even heard me on the show be like, yeah, it might be time to move on here. And you're still seeing some good performances from the team, which means he hasn't lost the locker room or anything like that yet. And I think they need to take a full evaluation of everything the players, coaches, assistant coaches, all of that this offseason be like, okay, we had a year. Now we really need to kind of look at all of this and figure out what it is we need to do going forward. And, you know, is that Gentry? Is that not Gentry? Who really knows just yet? That's kind of up to David Griffin. But here's the thing. This early on in Zion's development, you don't want to make a knee-jerk reaction or something that upsets him or kind of sheds bad light on him. Who knows? You know, there was that thing that followed DeMarcus Cousins around basically having a new coach every year, and that wasn't anything good. 
And with Zion, you're more worried about him and, you know, taking, do, taking the right approach to all of this. So if you fire Gentry, and I'm not against firing Gentry, I'm not pro it either, to be honest, even this offseason. So I'm, again, not pro not having him next year. I'm also not pro having him next year. You've got to make the right hire and bring in the guy that you think is like the coach for the future. If you look at Alvin Gentry as like a C minus, upgrading to a C plus probably isn't worth some of the other things that are going to come along with changing coaches, which potentially means losing some of the assistant coaches that you all really like. And so I think you wait till you get the right guy. If you go from a C minus or whatever you rate Gentry as, that's not that isn't the like rating I would put on him. Um, but you better make sure it's like an A higher. And if you don't have that guy lined up, or you're, if you kind of look around and are like, yeah, no, like this isn't what I want to do. I don't really think it's any of these people just yet. Then you wait because you don't then want to have to fire the second coach for Zion Williamson to get in the third one, the th third one being the guy who's going to hopefully lead you to a title, hopefully. So when, you know, I, I'm not going to be on Twitter, like defending Gentry. He's been not good this year. He's made some very questionable rotation decisions. I don't think he's motivated the team nearly as well as he should. And that is his job <laughs> to, to motivate them, to teach them professionalism and do a whole other bunch of things too with it. But I don't necessarily think that he should, moving on from him is the right idea because of some of the collateral damage that comes with that. They're likely to lose Chris Finch this offseason. I'd be willing to not bet on it necessarily, but I feel kind of confident in saying that he was getting head coaching, um, some sort of head coaching traction this past offseason. It should be coming to fruition sooner rather than later for him. But you know, if he's your guy, then maybe you, you make that decision, but you better make sure you nail this. And I think that's the thing. I'm not looking at you all to give me names for this. I know some people on Twitter are like, well, if you say fire Gentry, you need to come up with a replacement name. You all don't have to. The person that does do that and does need to come up with that replacement name though is David Griffin. So I don't know who's on his shortlist. I don't know how necessary you evaluate some of that stuff. I can throw out some names out there, but it's, Ultimately, does David Griffin think they have that guy or can go out and get that guy? And if they if he doesn't think it, we should probably trust David Griffin on this. We've liked pretty much everything he's done, right? And so I trust him. This is like Ed Orgeron right now with LSU football. You lose a bunch of people. Do you trust him to bring in those other people right now and make the right decisions on the coaching replacements, replacing Joe Brady and the like? I think most people do. With what David Griffin did this offseason, with the track record he has, if he doesn't make a move, then he probably doesn't think that person is out there, at least right now, or ready just yet and wants to wait and doesn't want to damage the, the franchise right now and what they're building towards. And they've improved. They've improved even before Zion got back under Gentry. And that's what we were hoping to see. That's what David Griffin said was going to be the measuring stick of a successful season. He has definitely seen some of that, I think. They're better, much better than they were to start the year. Inconsistent, sure, but they are a better team. And so you all don't need to come up with a name. I don't need to come up with a name. David Griffin needs to come up with a name. And what if he doesn't have any names on his list that are ready for this job right now? then you probably keep Gentry for a little bit. Um, 
So we will we'll see. This is going to be interesting because certainly he is not popular. He's trending on Twitter right now for all of the wrong reasons. He's not tw- trending because he's popular. Um, very unpopular guy right now. So we'll see where this goes and if they can kind of turn this tail end of the season around. You've got 20 games, five games to make up. That is a lot. And you're seeing them not beat very, very good teams. So we'll see how they do and what this means going forward. I don't, I'm not saying Gentry's going to be back next year, but I'm not ruling out it out either. We'll see what David Griffin says, and that's ultimately what matters and probably the guy we should trust. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. Frustrated loss, but the Pelicans get a chance to get another victory at home Friday against the Miami Heat. We'll talk about that game coming up tomorrow. Again, as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow.